Hey, welcome back. Another day, another vlog. It's great to have you all here today. Uh, yeah, I had a good night last night. Went out with Benny, a good mate from work, and we had a pearl of a night. Uh, don't know if you sort of, you know those nights where you can plan ahead and do everything you can imagine, uh, hope that it all goes right. Astrophotography is terrible in that regards, even you can have 15 apps and still when you get out there, some bit of cloud comes through or something goes wrong and it just stuffs it. Well, that didn't happen last night, so I've got no excuse. Uh, there'll be a video coming down the road uh, and uh, I hope you, it's not a big, it's not gonna be a big long one, obviously. Um, just a brief, brief chat at the start and then look at what we did, but wow, it was just crystal clear zero cloud the whole we're about three hours out there um the milky way core the whole arch was over the horizon over these beautiful mountains near where we are and just spectacular um i did multiple panos i've wanted a beautiful big clear pano uh, for a long time uh, the better i've got at photography i've tried to get that one because i think it's an amazing photo and it's one of those bucket list photos that I'd love to have a nice big panorama in my, in my new office of the beautiful Milky Way. I'm sort of blessed where we are here in uh, Australia, in the Pilbara, to be able to change my light. That's a bit better. To have black skies, uh, apart from the lights from where we work, um, it's basically pure black. There's, it's one of those. Australia is very lucky in that regards. If you look at the uh, black light uh, the light pollution maps around the world Europe and America is just terrible it's just you're very lucky to find a spot where you can actually shoot without uh, all this light pollution it's a pollution that people don't talk about but astrophotographers can tell you all about it and once you sit out in the dark even where we are now you can see how much light spreads across the landscape and sort of covers it, it sort of it just sort of yeah after like 20 minutes with no, no lights on and you're sitting there taking photos, you can basically see where the light from the existing lights in the mines and roads and road trains and how much it does affect the night sky uh, or the night, the landscape. So yeah, it was just crystal clear, no wind, which is another thing because the trees all move and then you get these photos where the trees all move. Uh, so that's sort of tricky. Uh, it wasn't freezing when we first got out there. It did, we hit a cold snap at like two o'clock. It just went suddenly cold and was just crazy. So uh, luckily we all rugged up, we had everything there, obviously all the headlights and everything like that. So do all the right things and safety is important when you go going out at night. Um, and we made sure we were pretty good. Having two of us there is a great start for that, so that's good. But yeah, just magic. So I did multiple panos. Um, Different app, uh, different ISOs. So I went from 3,200. Uh, I did a 1,600. I did a 30, couple of 3,200s. I did 62, a couple of 6,200s. Just big panos, and it just goes across the whole landscape, and it's pretty amazing. And uh, come up, I think it come up really good. I had a quick gander at the photos, and I think I'm gonna gonna be able to use the probably the high ISOs to do the land, the mountain range, and stuff like that. And then I'll use maybe the 3200s for the night sky, I think. But either way, I've got some amazing shots. Um, yeah, also 
and then we had a bit of fun and did some light painting and stuff like that. Uh, the Mini 2 had that with the loom cube on, my little loom cube, but we wanted to test that for a while and nice safe spot away and just doing verticals up and down in a safe, safe area, so that was all good. And that's come up good. I've got some a beautiful spiral at the end. Uh, me and Benny both caught on a photo. So we've got this beautiful knoll in the front, the Milky Way core over the back, and then this big light spiral coming up out of the mountain. It's yeah, it looks wicked. I'm super stoked about that. So very Instagrammy, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to always I guess challenge yourself. So something different. So very very cool. Um, other than that, I did do a bit of work yesterday, doing a heap of editing. I was basically on the computer all day. I had not much else to do waiting. Uh, I spent a fair bit. So I've got a fair way. I've got a hell of a long way to go on the next batch of photos. So, yeah, some getting some really good shots. The Mini 2 is just uh, the DJI. Shout out to them. The Mini 2, I think, is a very underrated product. Uh, even Benny. Benny's got a Mavic 2 Pro the Hasselblad one, and like it, it's a fantastic, it, by far a better technical bit of kit, but even he said like that how small the Mini 2 is that I can basically fit it in where a lens goes in my camera bag, uh, I can just slot it straight in there and the controller's skinny and just fits in there on the side easy. It's not a big Mavic 2, you gotta carry that and then the controller and all the big batteries. Uh, so even he, he was like, as an owner of a Mavic 2, the, probably the best one at the moment you can get, uh, for him to say that, it was like, it was sort of brought it home the fact that, yeah, you know, the Mini 2, the only feature really missing from this to make it a pro-level drone is that follow me. If DJI could bring that in and make give us a follow me effect. I know on the normal Mini, you could buy the Litchi app, which I did have, and you could do it that way. Um, I'm not sure if you can do it on the Mini. I've got a Mini 2. I'd love to, if you could do that, it'd just be insane because 4K, uh, the wind resistance, in, and that's the biggest feature that no one really talks about in the Mini 2. The Mini was terrible in wind because uh, it's so small and light, but the Mini 2 is just bloody amazing when it gets rough in wind. Uh, and many times down the south coast, I think I said on my Instagram post today, 40, 50K an hour wind gusts. And you just come down a couple of couple of meters, let it sit. Wind's not as bad there, and they just go about doing its business. It was, it's a brilliant bloody drone, uh, and value for money, size, versatility, what it can do, it's pretty hard to beat. So yeah, look, big shout out to them. It's sort of I don't probably talk about it as much as I do, but the photos I get out of it are great. The video helps with the B roll. I'm sure you can imagine, and yeah, it's pretty darn cool. Now the Yongnu, I think it is, uh, RF 85mm RF lens has come out, f1.8, uh, autofocus, uh, it, it's not an ultra silent motor, it's got the, uh, uh, the DSTP, so it's the stepping motor version, but look, I think it's pretty good, it's the right cost, 343 bucks Australian for an 85mm for a, uh, if you need a portrait lens, uh, and you don't want to spray the $5,000 for the Canon version for the L-Series, uh, well, then this is definitely a super cheaper option. Uh, there are some cheaper options. I think there's one about 350 from Canon. That's the basic one, and I think that'll work as well, but another option for you, it's really good. Now, the interesting point about this lens is it's the first third-party lens that has got an actual control ring in it, much like the Canon system, so you can use that for autofocus, aperture, uh, 
blah, 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 blah. So very, very cool um, that the small little, no, I guess, no-name manufacturers suddenly now jumped up into the limelight and uh, creating stuff that other companies aren't doing or don't want to do or just giving up because Canon's, whatever reason, being a pain in the ass with the RF, they don't want to let people make lenses for it. And it's just as a small creator and someone who's budget-minded, it's a pain in the ass looking at all these, um, what the, my Canon can do, but having to use old EF glass. And there's nothing wrong with the EF glass. Um, the 24mm I used last night was fantastic and I've been using that for the video as well and it's worked really, really well. So, But uh, the speed of the RF for autofocus is just insane. Uh, it's it's You can see the difference. You go from my 24mm uh, EF, uh, which is really good quality, um, but you can see the difference in the autofocus uh, when you've got it on for video, how quickly it adapts. Uh, it's just insane. Now I've got the 24 and it's, this will not lose me. Uh, while I'm tracking myself, I've got eye, eye tracking on. It won't lose me. Whereas with the 24, if I go too fast, it will drop out. So it's a big, big difference and you notice it. And especially for video side, uh, it, that that's a that's a big selling point, and yeah, I'm just like everyone. I think I'm just hanging that Canon brings out some some cheaper lenses for us smaller guys, for us non-pro level people. So fingers crossed, not long away. But yeah, look, this looks good. Uh, look, 380 grams, not too heavy, seven blade design. Um, so they're gonna just got nice round bokeh and some star, nice star bursts in there. So or you get your star, just your sun sun rays off it or whatever it is. Um, and USB-C, it's got a USB-C interface so you can update it directly using a USB-C so you don't need one of those mounts or anything. So that's probably actually pretty handy, I thought. It's something that had the reviews haven't really mentioned. As I said, 343 bucks Australian, 250 US, uh, pretty good price. Um, I definitely think it's competitive and I have seen a couple of reviews. I think Camera Conspiracies did a review on it and he was pretty impressed by it. So uh, that's he's pretty good. He, he pretty much smashes anything that's crap and uh or if it's overpriced so look if if he thinks it's a decent lens that means it's probably going to be fairly handy so go check that one out now loom cube uh been a big fan of loom cube i've got a little loom cube I always travel with me um either for light painting or using it on there for video on my rp and they've got a new for their panel pro which is like a panel um video light they've got some new accessories for it so i thought it was just interesting not a big big thing but it's got a barn door and a honeycomb grid and obviously the soft diffuser i'm pretty sure the soft diffuser come out with the panel pro but there was no honeycomb grid or barn door so look that they're fairly handy to get those different light effects to close off your light and get directional light with that barn door and that honeycomb is a really nice way to diffuse light and get that on you so uh, 41 bucks australian so if you do have a panel pro uh, you can shoot on. They were out of stock when I did check online to suss it out a bit. Uh, but yeah, look, fairly handy. If you have got one of them, I think they'll come one of those essential tools to have in the bag or when you're setting up in an office or anything like this. So very cool. Now, Space Safe 2, uh, it's, it's something different. Uh, it come up in my feed and I was like, eh, I have a bit of a look. And it's a, a home safe uh, with a difference. Most of them are just steel safes, a key, Blah blah blah. Well, this one's gone to it's it's gone full tech. It's gone full digital on us. Uh, it's got a 10-inch uh, LCD display on the front, which can 
actually you can put on there as a radio face so it looks like a big radio box wherever you hide it. Uh, it'll have on there, it's a fingerprint in-screen biometric uh, opening and closing up to four users. You can get, uh, you'll get notifications via your phone. If someone goes into it, it's got an external camera in the front screen. It's got an internal camera so you can see who's been in and what they've taken. Fairly handy. Um, I guess if you've got multiple users in there, perfect for if you've got a, uh, if you're renting a house or anything like that, if you're doing that sort of that sort of down the track. Um, temp humidity, humidity. What is that word? Uh, temp and humidity uh, sensors inside. So if something gets hot or it gets really humid, if you've got electronics in there, uh, like your, your MacBook or something like that, you're putting them in there, uh, that's sort of handy because it'll give you a warning to go and get it out so you don't damage it. It's got charges in, inbuilt charges in there. It's got inbuilt lights. Uh, it's got a heap of little funky stuff in there. And I think it's, look, it's probably something you don't think about it. Obviously, you can bolt it down. It's nice having a safe that's not bolted down. But it's also got a, um, oh, what's the word? I've bloody forgotten it. <laughs> uh, it'll detect if it does be moved or does be moved. My English is terrible today. It'll detect if your English, if it, if your English has been moved. <laughs> if the safe has been moved, it'll give you a warning and it can also be set up in certain countries that it will automatically dial 911 or triple zero or wherever you are, whatever the police number, and get them around there. So if someone breaks in, they go to grab your safe and they go to rip it off the wall. That's fantastic. Uh, a, it goes into lockdown mode, so they can't get into it. Uh, it's fully locked down. It's all secure, as you can imagine a safe is, but it'll also alert the authorities. It connects through Wi-Fi, so yeah, cool. And obviously, if the Wi-Fi gets cut, you'll get know about that as well, blah, blah, blah. So look, pretty smart. It's on Kickstarter. I'll whack a link down below so you can go have a bit of a gander at it if you have been looking for something. And the safe-wise and you don't want dials or keys or anything like that where you forget them and lose them and you're stuffed, uh, this could be a little bit of a good option for you and something different and might be quite handy. Give it a gander. Now, uh, interesting one and a, for probably one reason we have talked about for a bit, new car sales, uh, June in Australia, first time since 2011, they well, the second worst sales since 2011, cars slumped for sales. Now, apparently a big part of this was that chip shortage. Uh, we talked about the Canon R3 being put back. We've talked about the Sony just getting put back yesterday. Uh, we talked about the F-150s a couple of months ago in the States, the whole NASCAR stadium full 50, 60,000 F-150s that couldn't be couldn't be delivered because no chips and the MacBook Pros and everything else that's got a chip. It's crazy to think that a chip shortage could affect the world so much. Well, it's affected our car sales. Obviously, COVID's got a bit to it, the logistic uh, bottlenecks and bits and pieces like that. Um, but Wheels is reporting that, uh, yeah, look, it, this chip shortage is affecting our car industry now. And, and that's pretty interesting. It's, it's something that I guess... Uh, it, they're looking at trying to get it better. I know India offered uh, any chip manufacturers a billion dollars incentive just to go and build a chip manufacturing facility there. We don't have anything like that in Australia, and I think it's something that the government could probably look at. Uh, I think the more and more technolo technological we get as a society, techno 
more we get into technology, uh, the more chips. There's chips in everything. There's microwaves, toasters. Everything's got a chip in it of some sort, variety. Uh, they, so it's a requirement. It's a throwaway society. Nothing gets reused. No one reuses old chips in a new product. There's no sort of modularity in that in, our, in the products that we build, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but so these things don't get re recycled as well. So there's again another business, I guess you could recycle old chips and do that, I guess, to some sort of effect, maybe. But uh, look, it's a big business. And I think that's something that as a government, look, our car industry, we can't compete because wages are too high. But something with that in tech, at chips, and that specialised with skilled workers, that's something Australia probably could actually get into that we could afford to get into, much like medicines and stuff like that. That's where we could excel and possibly do and get some businesses to come over. And, yeah, I think it would be a good little business. Um, yeah, be nice. be loaded if you did it right, if you could uh, scoop the pool. But, uh, yeah, are competing. And I guess that's, again, we go back to why China wants Taiwan back to take control of them because that's where TSMC is and they're the biggest in the world. The world relies on them heavily for a lot, a lot of their processes. They're the best at it. Uh, even Intel's getting chips off them now, so it's it's just crazy times. So I just thought it was an interesting one to check out there. And other the fact, other than that, the Ranger of Ute is again, yet again, Australia's biggest selling vehicle. So Australia, like America, that uh, where America, the F-150 is the biggest selling for the last 40 years. Australia's turned that page now, and, and then uh, dual cab utes are pretty much like the number one selling vehicle here too. They've moved, we've moved away from station wagons when I was a kid to uh, SUVs like your Ford Territories and your Land Cruisers. They're all sort of gone out. It's now dual cab utes. That's what everyone wants because they can take the family and then they can do work on the weekend. The versatility is pretty hard to beat. And uh, yeah, well, why would you buy anything else? It's pretty crazy. Anyway, that's it for me. I will see you all again tomorrow back at work, starting another swing. It doesn't feel like I've stopped, but I'm starting again, and I will see you tomorrow evening. Yeah. We'll be coming this way, that way. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.